The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 23, Powerful Connections with Sarah Thomas. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, Kyle, what is up, my friend? Oh, you know, same old, same old. How about you, Ben? I am I am great. The weather's starting to change here. I think probably we should start by introducing ourselves. I am Ben Dixon. You can find me on the Twitterverse at BDixonNV. Um, I have a, a much-neglected uh, blog, Rummages and Ramblings, um, and you are? I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on the Twitterverse at AndersonEdTech. And then my blog is www.andersonedtech.net. And I will concur with you that the weather has been getting better. I actually saw where recently we set a new record high one of our days that yes. we've had recently. It was We broke the old record of 84, and it is now 85 for that day. But it's supposed to cool <laughs> off a little bit now. Yes. Yes, my friend, you are, you are new to northern Nevada because uh, there is a very good chance that in two weeks we'll have snow. Yeah, there is that <laughs> chance. So, and well... I, I don't want snow, but at the same time, <laughs> I though, know. I I don't want it to be 110 <laughs> degrees, which I know yeah. it doesn't get like that here. No. That's uh, that's my old home in Southern Nevada yes. that got yes. like that. So, um, no, I'm not. I'm okay with that. So <laughs> we're we're good with what we got here. Cool. So now, um, we always like to start our show out here after introductions with a little bit about what we're having um, with our conversation today. So Ben, why don't you share what you're drinking today? So uh, my beer is the, it's one from Sierra Nevada, shocker, you know, I think I've done multiple beers from Sierra Nevada on the show, but this is the Sierra Vesa. So this is their, their take on a Mexican uh, style lager. So very um, easy drinking. Um, it's only a 5% ABV. We're talking 18 IBU. So, so real easy drinking beer. Um, pretty good, pretty light, light. Um, yeah, that's it's one that I it's it's a new one for me, but I but it's going to be one of my go tos. So, Kyle, what do you got? Well, just before I move on into mine, I got to I'll, I'll just make a quick comment on yours. I was looking when you said that's what you were going to have. I went and looked up to see if I've ever had that one. And I did on May 4th of last yes. year. I checked into one. And according to my <laughs> comment, it was pretty good. So, yeah, the yeah. untapped uh, showed me what I was able to uh, the information on it already. So yeah, I'll have to try another one here. So cause and, apparently and, a year ago I liked it. Yeah. And a year ago at this time. So that should tell you something right there. It's a, it's a springtime, early summer beer. Absolutely. So now I went with something, um, not, not the same style, but very similar, um, in regards to ABV and whatnot. I went with the 5050 brewing companies, highway mm-hmm. 267 session IPA. All right. So yeah, uh, another one on the lighter side like yours. Uh, mine's actually 4.7 ABV, higher up on the IBU, 45, because it is an IPA. Um, very light in the body. Uh, the hop notes are tropical in nature. It's very, very smooth. And then, uh, or like the name implies, uh, very sessionable. So you could definitely put down a couple of these doing some yard work and uh, watching some baseball or something. Um, and then I, I want to throw in too that um, the name of it, Highway 267, that's the road between Truckee and then the north part of Lake Tahoe. So yes. I thought that was kind of a cool name yep. that they gave over, that up there. So. Up over by North Star, up through Brockway Summit. It's a beautiful drive. 
Yes, indeed. So, and uh, a lot of nice biking and hiking trails over yes. there too. I'm looking forward to hitting here over the coming weeks. But yeah, definitely. Now, now we do have a guest, and we need to find out what she is drinking. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and uh, welcome Sarah Thomas to the podcast? Sarah, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, this is one that we we've been hoping on for yeah. a while now, and we're we're really super glad that we were able to work this out, get you on because uh, a little bit tougher uh, when you're an East Coaster, so a little harder to get people right. on when we're not the same time zone. Right, totally. I hear you on that. So now, um, you are not drinking beer, but um, you have something very unique to your region where you're from. Why don't you share with us what you have to drink? Oh yeah, so um, my pick would be the St. Michael's Sweet Golly Wobbler wine. <laughs> it's um, it's definitely very Maryland. You can only, uh, to my knowledge, you can only find it in Maryland. Um, but they have a winery, St. Michael's, and it's it's really cool. So they have like different varieties of the Golly Wobbler, but um, it's really sweet and delicious. Oh, cool. Not much of a wine guy, so I'm going to take your word for it on that. And then also because we're in Nevada and not Maryland, you can only get it in Maryland, so it might be really tough for us to get a hold of it. So I will be all a bottle. Yeah, I will be I will be there in June for a conference for the Model Schools Conference in D.C. So I am going to look for it when I'm there. Oh, sweet! Yes, just yeah. uh, just hop on over to Maryland and it'll be yeah. like right there. All right, cool. Very nice. So. Um, so once again, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Um, but why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners, for those that don't know who Sarah Thomas is, who you are um, and what you're all about um, and, you know, impress our listeners because you have a very impressive list of, of achievement, uh, for sure. achievements. Oh, thank you so much. Well, hello, listeners. Um, so a little bit about me. This is uh, I'm about to hit my 15th year in education. So big milestone cool. for me. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Um, but I've taught every grade from first to 12th at some point. Um, let me see. I, plus um, affiliate faculty as a master's in, in a master's in ed tech program. Um, in addition, currently I am a regional tech coordinator in a large district. Um, so I'm, I'm just really loving it connecting with all of the uh all of the great educators in my district and last but not least i am the founder of edumatch so that's uh that's a little bit about me in a nutshell yeah wow yeah and um on top of that you're a certified google certified trainer you're an innovator yep. um you've presented at ISTE. you've been awarded by ISTE. um you've worked with ISTE in doing all sorts of different things and you have your doctorate in education um, you I mean there's just the list goes on. So I mean you have a, you've done a lot of great things in your time in education and will continue to do so. Yeah, I, I, oh, I thank I, you so much. I have so many questions, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> different things about of different things like like edumatch. Can you can you tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, totally. So Edumatch started out completely grassroots. So back in September 2014, I was on Boxer with a friend of mine, and we were talking about gamification and math. And so pretty much long story short, um, she started reminding me of some concepts that my cousin had bounced off me a few weeks beforehand. And then, you know, I started thinking about gamification and a uh, mutual friend that we had. So I was just like, okay, you know, this is cool. Like the three of you should get together and talk. And I was just like, wait a minute, is there something that will say, hey, person A, person B, person C, you three have something in common, so get together and, uh, you know, discuss and see what y'all come up with, and I looked, I didn't see anything, I saw, like, Twitter chats, I saw Voxer groups, but nothing to, like, do that 
introduction. So mm-hmm. um, I just went ahead and set it up and, um, you know, set up a Google form. Um, and as people joined, they brought their ideas and that's how we have continued to grow. So right now we are a, um, global network of educators connecting and learning together. We use, um, most major forms of social media. Um, in addition, we do a weekly tweet and talk. So that's a term coined by Tammy Neal. So that is, um, a Twitter chat paired with a video Google hangout, um, or YouTube live. And then, you know, yeah, and we take that, we uh, turn it into a podcast. Um, lately, we've started doing publishing, and then we're also working on a nonprofit, and there's also some really cool things coming down the pike. So wow. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that is that is awesome. So it's like, a, it's like a Twitter chat on steroids, is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what our training talk is like. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going into year five together, just learning and growing. So um, I'm just excited for what the future is going to continue to bring. So I, my question is now, um, you, you talked about how you have like, you know, different social media platforms, you can meet people through those. But from the from the way I understand that with EduMatch, it's, it's more about getting like almost a profile so like i i would almost consider this to be like a social media in itself like you know like its own little platform that you know as educators we can put ourselves out there about who we are or whatever and connect with one another that way rather than having to kind of blindly find people on facebook on twitter on instagram etc cetera, etc cetera. is that am i off or does that sound about right no, that's good. That's really good. That's one part of what we do. We have like this thing on our website called the Awesome Table of EduMatch. And just pretty much anyone who's filled out our person of the day form, uh, we used to do person of the day uh, a few years ago, but then it kind of got to be a lot. So right now what we do is just add people to the Awesome Table of EduMatch and then folks can go in, kind of search for other folks who meet their interests. Um, so, you know, we have it split up by demographics, um, you know, by by geography, also by interest, hashtags, and there's like a place for free form searching. So, you know, let's say I wanted to connect with somebody who is into coding, then I could mm-hmm. do that and um, just find these people who have self-selected to, to be identified. So, um, and, and to connect with other people on that topic. So it's, it's pretty, pretty fun, pretty fun. So then you can go on to the EduMatch website and then just kind of put into like search filters or whatever and narrow down your database of however many people, I'm sure you have thousands at this point, but I could go in there and type in social studies teacher, special education teacher, coding into like some filters and it'll kick back a list of people that have identified with that. Yeah, totally. Now I have to, um, I have to put a caveat up there, a disclaimer. So it's still in beta. Um, I, I put it together using awesome table and I am not a coder by any way, shape or form, but, uh, this is definitely a start and it's, it's, um, a minimum viable product. So, um, you know, just, uh, with it being able to, you know, the, the fact that folks would be able to use it, that's kind of what, uh, what led me to leave it up there instead of, you know, focusing a whole rack of attention on making it pretty. Um, but, you know, it's definitely functional. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, functional, I mean, I mean, that's that's better than pretty um, because I would much rather be able to get the uh, right. get, get the information I'm looking for. So for right now, uh, being in beta, no, that sounds amazing to where I could be able to go on and do that because, you know, all three of us, we're all very active on social media, but sometimes – you have a question or you're looking for something specific and sometimes it's just it's just hard to find you know just by searching through hashtags or even throwing a tweet out or whatever 
soliciting information from somebody, whereas this sounds a lot more um, robust in being able to find what you want and need at a moment's notice. Right, right. I, I definitely hope so. I definitely hope so. So, you know, there's there's um, right now about, uh, I want to say 1,300 folks that are on there. So um, so it's pretty pretty robust, um, but definitely looking to grow it and to, to add more folks to it. So that's, that's one of the things that we do. So, um, so you know, definitely uh, if anyone is listening and wants to sign up, then just go to edumatch.org and click on the sign up button on the top right-hand side. So, um, and then every month or so, then I just kind of move people over from, you know, the general spreadsheet to the awesome table after kind of going through and vetting them, making sure that they're really, you know, an educator <laughs> to the best of my ability. Um, so, so yeah, definitely would, uh, would really love to continue to grow that. Cool. So, hey, so you're also, I see you're, you're a member of the leadership team of ISTE and that, that digital equity um, PLN. And, and I know you've written some stuff, you know, closing the gap. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that work, because I think, I think that is, is really important right now. Yeah, thanks so much, Ben. So, um, so I've been part of the Digital Equity Network um, with ISTE for a few years now, and I just have to um, just give a shout out to everyone who's been involved in that. That's really uh, pushed my thinking a lot and helped me to grow as an educator. Um, so as you mentioned, um, we have a book series with ISTE, Closing the Gap. Uh, the first one was for higher education, and the second one is more focused to K-12. So just wanted to give a quick shout out to my co-authors, um, Nicole Howard, who is in California, and Regina Schaefer, who is in New Jersey. Um, so, I mean, pretty much what we're getting at in those books is a need to go beyond, like beyond the devices, beyond the access. So you have devices, you have access. So now what? What else do you need? What else, you know, is part of digital equity and it goes to there's so many factors like for example access to high quality learning experiences where students are uh, creating instead of consuming um, access to um, you know access to 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 high quality teachers um, so you know that that falls back on us to continue to level up professionally um, in addition you know representation there's so many different parts to it and um, just, it's, it's been really an honor and a privilege to, to do this work and, uh, definitely looking forward to continuing to grow in this way. Right on. Now, you mentioned that your co-authors, one's in New Jersey, one's in California, and then you're in the Washington DC area. So how did that come about to where you worked with these other two women to write this book from th those distances? Yeah, so it's funny because um, I feel like a lot of really close friendships that I made in my life have been um, interesting, interestingly, in these last six years I've been connected. So um, I met Nicole and Regina, um, I want to say initially through Twitter, um, and then it kind of evolved in Voxer. Um, and so we've just had constant, constant communication. So these are two of my favorite people on earth. And, um, you know, so we, um, we kept in touch through, through Twitter, through Voxer, through Google Hangouts, um, and just pretty much, um, did the book on a Google Doc, um, and just, uh, we did it asynchronously, but also at some time synchronously, 
um, you know, popping on and writing uh, at the same time and bouncing ideas off each other in real time. So it was it was a really, really cool process. So um, I really enjoyed it. Well, I think that's so it's so powerful that that connection piece and you're talking about where you you were able to do it asynchronously, as I can't say it, or or, or at the same, you know, either one. I mean, you could, I, th I think 10, 15 years ago, that probably just wouldn't have happened. Right, right. Absolutely. It's crazy, like how quickly our world is changing, but I, I love it. I love it. All of the opportunities that are, you know, that that are emerging and continue to emerge. Just, uh, it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time right now. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you think about 10 years ago before shared documents through Google or through Microsoft, Microsoft, you would have been emailing back and forth different pieces and then having to download the copies, make your edits, send them back, whatever. And then, I mean, even 10 years before that, so talking like maybe in, even in the mid 90s, if you wanted to collaborate with somebody in California, New Jersey to write a book, it would have been typing things up, printing it off, mailing it, and then having to work that way. So the process would, would have been so much more tedious now. Yeah, it's amazing where we're at in our world today with what you can do. Yes, yeah, totally. I feel you on that. I feel you. And I, I feel like it's going to continue to um, evolve some more. Like, for example, um, in the first book that we did, The Higher Ed, uh, in Chapter 5, and there was a section of it that was written pretty much completely by artificial intelligence. And I mean, we were pretty, we were extremely transparent about that. We were like, this section has been written by AI. But I mean, the fact that that is like a thing now, you know, it's just mind blowing how quickly everything's changing. Wow. Well, tell us, tell us more. About, now I'm interested. How, how did you do that? How, tell, tell, tell us a little more about that piece. Yeah. So, okay. So there was, um, through Google, we found some, we found various tools. Um, I want to say one of them is called AI Writer. I don't remember the name exactly right now, but um, that that resonates with me for some reason. But um, you put in some keywords and see what you want it to, um, to talk about. And it'll just scan, you know, the internet and it'll mm -hmm. find all of these um, sources and throw something together. And you know, there's different ones that we tried out. I think it was like maybe um, maybe two different ones that, that we ended up settling on. Um, but one of them lets you like fine tune it. And the crazy thing is that this was for free, like, you know, um, and they were they were decent. Um, yeah, they turned out decently. Um, there was one of them that was kind of plagiarizing all over the place. So that wasn't cool. But the other right. one kind of um, <laughs> the other one um, was I mean, you, you would never know unless we said it, hey, you know, um, a computer wrote this. So right. it's crazy. And I first uh, learned about that with my students uh, in 2015. I remember that was the first time I heard about AI, like writing blog posts and writing articles. But apparently that's like a thing now. So I'm just like, wow, it's crazy. That That is that is so cool. That is, um, but I think that, that kind of gets to that point of, I think you talked about earlier, is like how do we move people, kids, and from being consumers to, to creators? So, so, so what are the tools that we can introduce to students and staff to get them creating more? Well, and I'm sure, right, too, that totally. when you went over the whole thing, when you read that, you, it, it's just more proof, too, that while technology is great, Technology is not perfect. I'm sure there was a lot of different things you had to go through and edit. And then I've heard a lot of newspapers anymore for their online content. They don't necessarily hire somebody to do it. 
they just have AI write stories like sports stories are uh, right. real common where they like write reviews for sports stories. And then you'll read them sometimes where somebody didn't go back and proof them. And these stories, they half the time they don't make sense because of the, some of the wording and everything. So I'm sure that, did you see a lot of that with it when you were writing that chapter using the AI? Yeah, yeah, there were definitely some glitches, um, you know, and a lot of times you get what you pay for. So <laughs> we didn't pay for it. Um, it was totally free, but I, I I feel like there's other things that are out there that are even more refined. Um, so this this was pretty, pretty nuts. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 really wild. But I'm excited for seeing what our students are going to be able to do when they start um creating with AI. Like, I think mm -hmm. that that's exciting. I know that some students are already doing that, but uh, I just took a class through ISTE and just the possibilities were just mind blowing. So it's super cool. Yeah. I see that commercial for Microsoft. I think it is a lot right now that um, common is the uh, spokesperson mm -hmm. for it, where they're talking about um, machine learning and using AI with Microsoft products. And I mean, it's a commercial, so it doesn't tell you a whole lot, but it's really intriguing just to, see where we're at. And then, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast one day, they were talking about a robot that seems to be self-aware where it expresses emotions and different things. And it, it, it's mind blowing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring me at the same time. It makes me think about all the movies I watched when I was a kid, like Terminator, you know, and Skynet coming to life and all that stuff too. So, but I mean, I don't think it would ever become that extreme, but you never know. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely cool, but it's definitely, there's some concerns with it as well yeah totally i hear you on that well and i also think i think as far as educators go is it's that idea of of how do we teach kids like i, I always think about going back with kids and analyzing a piece of text and you want to get to author's purpose and things like that okay that's a whole different skill if we're talking about reading things written through ai i mean that that's something that educators are going to have to think about you know in the, in the coming years mm -hmm. Oh, that is so true. I never even considered that, but yes, that, that, wow. <laughs> yeah. There's so, so much that, um, that we don't even necessarily see like in front of us, um, but that are, that are going to come up, um, in the future. So definitely. Well, so, I use my email now. My Gmail account has the AI add-on that I have mm -hmm. turned on where as I'm typing an email, it's predicting what I'm going to say next. And I would say that four out of five times to predict something, I ignore it and just keep on going. But sometimes it comes up, you know what? That's exactly what I was going to say. So I just move on with that one. And I mean, if we're doing that with email now, Ben, like you said, I mean, down the road, you know, now oh, there's yeah. the concerns with, um, you know, students using it just to have the AI write stuff for them and not even putting forth the effort and um, not, right. not learning about the writing process and, and the conventions and whatnot. Well, well, I think it's a, I think it's just going to be a different kind of writing process at that point. You know, oh, if that's, if that's, that's the direction we're heading. Yeah, I, you know, well, I didn't think about that either. I guess uh, I was thinking more five years down the road versus oh, yeah. maybe 50 years. Um, yeah. You know, your your mindset was a little bit farther out than mine. <laughs> yeah, but I can see kids. I can totally see kids being like, all right, sweet. I'm going to write that paper right now. Click. <laughs> that's a danger. Right. <laughs> exactly so, oh my gosh that's crazy so sarah you talk a lot i mean i know you talk a lot about connecting teachers and that piece with edumatch i mean do you see like i i always have teachers or educators come up and they talk about you know wanting to be connected do you see one specific 
platform, one specific spot, whatever, that, that you would suggest teachers, this is a good place for you to start to find your connections? Yeah, I would say like if they're already using social media in their everyday life, um, you know, outside of the profession, then wherever they already are, that would probably be the best entry point. Um, mm -hmm. Because I mean, we're everywhere, you know, educators, we are on all <laughs> social media. So yeah, so and um, so if someone's already using Facebook, and they want to get started um, connecting with Facebook, then there are so many groups, um, out there. Um, but I would say like my personal journey, I started first with Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. that was my very first foray into the connected space. Um, and I know that a lot of people tend to begin with Twitter. That's a, that's a good kind of catch all, you know, um, mm -hmm. with the chats and things like that. Um, but really it's, it's individual preference. And I would say it's probably easier to already go with the tool that you know, uh, to begin with than, learn something brand new. So that would be my advice. Yeah, I had a similar story where Twitter was probably, with education at least, that was my first um, big, big foray into social media. That was with Twitter. But I was a late bloomer when it came to, I was a late bloomer with all social media, really. I mean, mm -hmm. you go back to MySpace. I mean, we've, we've joked about MySpace on this on this show before where, I mean, I was, MySpace was probably four or five years old by the time I jumped onto it. And then I was only on there for about a year and then I got into Facebook, but then Facebook had been around for four or five years time. I got into that Twitter. I didn't get on Twitter until 2015. So, and I always find it. Um, it's really funny. I look um, on people's Twitter profiles. They always show on your profile at the top there where, when they joined Right. And, you know, the people joined in 2007, joined in 2008, um, you know, 09, whatever, like these early adopters of Twitter, you know, and then I see mine 2015 and not, not that it matters. I mean, I'm, I've made the connection now, but I've just I was just a late adopter of it. But Twitter has absolutely changed my life in regards to my career as an educator, because, I mean, I mean, I met Ben through Twitter yeah. a few years ago and now. I live very close to him and we host this podcast together. And then Sarah, I met you through Twitter and then eventually in person at a Q Nevada conference when you came out and keynoted for us. And you know that, but that connection was made through social media and it's just the power behind it is just amazing. Yeah, it's totally, I hear you on that. I hear you. Like, I want to say for me, I was I was a pretty early adopter when it came to social media, but um, it took me a while to start using it in a professional way, and that that for me was such a game changer. So, um, yeah, I was on like I was on Twitter with the some some weird account like <laughs> when it first came out, probably, but it was mostly to interact with like my my VH1 celebrity people, you know, that I would watch and just send them tweets and stuff, but. But yeah, it wasn't until I was at a conference in 2013 and I saw a hashtag and I was just like, I can't use this same account that I'm tweeting Flavor Flav to tweet, you know, these educators at this conference. They're not going to take me seriously. So that's when I, I created this one. And like you said, it's been it's been a life changer. It's it's been incredible. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. My I have almost a similar story to you, Sarah. Like I had my own personal one that it's like skateboarding punk rock i'm like a lot of stuff that i'm like ah can i really connect with george kiros through this one or should i have a professional one so so i made that switch too but um and then you talk a lot a lot about voxer do you i mean do you feel that that's still um i know at one point it seemed like that was like everybody was using voxer there were tons of voxer groups and now i, I don't 
I don't know. Is it still, do you still see that as viable or as a, as a, as a big part of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think about it a lot. It feels like it has like, it's um, like in terms of the popularity in the edu space and it, it, it feels like it has like its peaks and valleys. Um, but I feel like there's still a large community there um, mm-hmm. in edu matched and um, you know, it's, it's constant conversation still. Um, and if, if there's like a day that goes by without anyone saying anything, then they're just like, that's weird. You know, like nobody said anything today. So, I mean, it's still, it's still going on. Um, but as far as new groups go, um, every year we do ed camp voice. So mm-hmm. that's coming up July 1st, where we do an ed camp on Boxer. And the benefit to that is that um, well, there, there's a few benefits, but number one, you can be in every room if you want to be. So, you know, right. in a physical space, then you have to choose kind of where you want to go. But for EdCam Voice, then you can be in every room if you want to. Um, I wouldn't advise it, though. I do it just <laughs> to make sure that, you know, nothing too crazy is going on. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. Um, and also, number two, I love it because... Um, I, I tend to clam up face to face, you know, a lot of people don't believe me when I say this, but I'm an introvert and social media really kind of helps me, um, kind of helps me find my voice and, and beyond being an introvert and socially kind of, you know, I, I, I have, um, kind of socially, it takes a lot for me to push through. Um, okay. but with Voxer, then that can help a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the same boat, you know, kind of find right. their voice and, um, yeah, and you, you have the option of recalling if you go pro, and I do that a lot. I actually abuse it, so, but <laughs> it's really cool, though, and I love the fact that you can speed up the boxes, so uh, right. now it's to the point where, you know, I meet people face-to-face, and I'm just like, wow, you talk a lot slower than I expected, so, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, yeah. That's, no, that's and a great is, point. It's cool. I love it. I, yeah, I, yeah, so I, I'm really think- digging it. Yeah, I think for me, I, I mean, I was heavy, heavy using it. I was part of a lot of groups. And I think for me, and this is just me personally, at some point I was like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't do this and Twitter and, you know, and do this and this. And then I had to step back from it. But I do see the value of it. I mean, I've, I've talked a lot about with my staff um, using it as a, as a tool for, for um, communicating with them. Um, I know teachers when I'm in classrooms, they want, they want me to give them feedback right away sometimes. And sometimes it's like, I'll leave a sticky note or something, but the idea of leaving them a Vox, I've always loved that. It's just, I've never made that jump to get them to all use it. But I totally, I totally agree with you. I think, I think that EdCamp idea is brilliant. And Sarah, I really like that you brought up too about, um, how you are an introvert and how Voxer and social media has really helped you to open up, be able to connect with people in a way that face-to-face you wouldn't be able to do so your story is very common a lot of people you know have that where I've talked to people who are like yeah I don't normally talk to people I don't like talking to people or in front of people and this has really helped me connect and whatever and it's just that that's the power of that tool as well where you're sharing stuff and you're learning from other people that you normally wouldn't have been able to do so because of your personality and that's just something that's worth um really highlighting as well Right. Totally. I hear you on that. Yeah. That's, um, this whole social media space, like I would say that that's one thing that really attracted me to it. Um, that, you know, that is a lot easier for me to communicate given my personality style and also the fact that you can create your, your PLN. And I mean, you get access to so many, so many people, you know, all over the world that you don't necessarily have access to, um, 
where where you are. I mean, like I in my in my area, I'm connected with some amazing people. Like there are just so many amazing educators in my district and um and everything like that. Uh I feel like, you know, this this being connected also helped me um find even more people I could, you know, kind of bring into my learning family. So it's it's been it's been really beneficial to me. Absolutely. I think back to early in my career before social media was ever a thing. And I worked in a large district uh, in Las Vegas and you had your people around you at school that you could talk with. You maybe met a handful of people at some district professional trainings from around the city and you got to know people over the years and they were an email away. But just that whole that network you have worldwide, you have a question, you put it out there and within minutes you can have an answer or an idea to something that you're trying to figure out as a result of that. And that just was not the case, you know, 10 years ago when I was a, a few years deep into my career and just trying to get answers from people that I knew or worked with and through district trainings or whatever. So no, it's just the power behind it is just, it's, it's insane where we're at. Yeah. And I, I think you brought up something too, is like, you're at you're at a training or a, some PD and everything, and sometimes, and this is me both as a participant and as a person who delivers PD. Sometimes it's like the PD is not even relevant. It's the I need to talk to you about this thing, and I think that that connected piece with social media allows you to to do it on your own time in your own space. Yeah, totally. I would agree with both of you. Um, it's it's phenomenal as far as giving great ideas and solutions um, for challenges we face. And also, in addition to that, I, I would say that it also helped me to gain more empathy, um, being able to connect with folks um, who, you know, who were very, uh, very different from me, you know, and um, I, I've kind of learn more um so so okay i would say that probably the best thing about connecting is being able to make those deeper connections you know where where you get to get kind of a 360 of a person and i mean you start connecting beyond um beyond the classroom beyond the school beyond the district and you get to know them um get to know you know about their family you get to hear what they had for dinner you know stuff like that and just start start shooting the breeze and um and really getting to know folks uh, really getting a good understanding of their background of their worldview their lens and then you know i know that for me that's been eye-opening because i've had people who are like the complete opposite of me right like on paper we might mm-hmm. um we might be like the complete opposite however we end up being super tight just because we got to know one another as people um and we've been able to have so many just really tough discussions that um that tend you know that people tend to kind of run away from um because that deeper connection is not there um a lot of times but when it is there then then that's that's just incredible that yeah you bring up a great point that 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 connection through through any of these platforms you you're right you're you're able to expand your social circle maybe beyond people that you would tend to always talk to or, or because they're like you in some sort of way. I mean, that, that's so cool. I hadn't, I'd never thought of that. And the point you bring up about those tough discussions that you can have with people as a result of those connections that you've made, um, that's 100%. I, I can't tell you how many times that in face-to-face or even just online, either through Twitter or Vox or whatever, 
I've been able to have discussions with people that I never would have before because just that fear of um, causing too much of a rift, you know, as, as much as you want to stand by your principles and what you believe in, whatever. Um, I'm a person I don't want to, I don't want to cause controversy though either, but because now through these connections, I, I can be comfortable around people enough to where I know that my opinions and my thoughts will be respected. And we can have a civil conversation about it because that's the thing about social media is that so many people, just the, the small percentage of people abuse social media and give it the bad name that it has in regards to being able to have those civil conversations. But, but Sarah, you're absolutely right. These, those connections you make just really, really have been able to have deeper connections and uh, deeper conversations about very controversial stuff that you normally would not have been able to have done before. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. I feel like when, when you're connecting with folks, then sometimes, you know, you might meet them offline for the first time and it feels like a high school reunion. And I've had situations where I met somebody offline for the second time. And that was me going over to crash on their couch when I was in town. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Like how, how deep you can get without ever seeing someone face to face. So, um, it's incredible. I love that about, um, just the space now in 2019. Yeah, for sure. That is, that is so true. Well, and you've taken these connections now through EduMatch, through Voxer, through Twitter, and you've created a wing of EduMatch now that's in the publishing game as well. So what kind of got that going with it? And like, wh where do you see the publishing aspect of EduMatch going over the next few years? Oh, that's a good question. So th this happened just like everything else in EduMatch totally organically. Um, <laughs> like, it was... Uh, so at one point in the Voxer group, we were having a conversation about long-term goals, bucket list stuff. And people kept on saying, oh, you know, I would love to write. And somebody else would say, yeah, you know, I want to be an author and all kinds of things. So I uh, kept on hearing this over and over. And at the same time, I was kind of looking for a way to trademark it um, because I just wanted the name EduMatch to, to stand for something, you know, um, so that when people heard the word EduMatch, then they would they would have that feeling of that uh, that community, right? Um, so lo and behold, when you looked on the list of different categories of things that could be trademarked, then one of them was books. So with that conversation kind of ringing freshly in my head, I was just like, all right, well, let's let's go for it and um, see what happens. So that very first year, which was 2016, that was the, the, first, the first book that we put out. And that was um, Snapshot in Education and pretty much 20 people from all over the U.S. each submitted a chapter and we put it together and just had a compilation of the year in review of 2016. So that came out the last week of 2016. Um, and that went over so well that we decided to continue it. So um, the second book was a cookbook because this was another random conversation when people were kind of talking about what they were having for dinner and somebody was like, yeah, let's do a cookbook. And so we were just like, okay, why not? So at that point, um, that's when the cookbook came into play. And then we also did another snapshot in education in 2017. And once we had maybe two books under our belt, then um, people started inquiring about how they could do their own book. So at that point, then, um, you know, I started exploring that as a possibility. And so we actually um, began working on that. We had the very first EduMatch solo book, Journeys to the YNU by Dean Ganey, um, that was released April 2nd of last year. And um, 
in total now, I believe our count is up to 19 books that we've done. So it's been it's been a pretty wild ride and uh, definitely looking forward to continuing to grow the family and, um, you know, help get um, help get people's thoughts and ideas out there. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I look at the catalog of books that um, Edgy Match Publishing has put out. And what I really like about it, too, is that there's not a specific mold to what EduMatch is publishing. There's there's so many different varieties of and styles of books that you're publishing because you know the, there are various publishing companies out there where um, in the education hemisphere it's um you know this is sort of like content it's a content type book or um, this one is more pedagogical um, in nature um, you know so there's more of like I don't want to use the word pigeonhole, but like if you want to go into what go with one of those publishers, you almost got to stick to a, a script almost. Where I feel like looking at your catalog um, with Edgy Match Publishing, um, that it's open to interpretation, and as long as um, it's good writing with a great message, it sounds like you're willing to embrace that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we definitely. Um definitely embrace the voices that that people bring to the table like it's all about it's all about sharing like sharing stories um sharing things that have worked things that haven't worked you know that's that's pretty much what we want to stick to so definitely um giving like uh the authors retaining the creative control like that's a huge part of of what we what we do because we want to hear you know from each other and and just make sure that um you know, everything that, that folks share, it's, it's um, their experience or it's their research that they have, um, have conducted or, you know, or their, their own uh, classroom or school or district-based experience. So uh, really that's what we're all about. And we, we just try to stick to that and um, just, you know, kind of um, facilitate the process of, of getting those stories out there because books are just another medium, you know, um, there's, fundamentally it's not much different than than blogging or or podcasting um or anything of that nature it's it's just a way to share the content so uh so we just really want to stick by that yeah i'm i'm like a, i'm like scrolling through your catalog right now as we're talking about this and i'm like holy cow you guys do that it is very it is a great mix of stuff so definitely if people after you listen to this you got to go check that out it, it looks like there's something for everybody Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, and I had a conversation with one of your more recent authors lately, uh, Mr. Brent Coley, um, with his Stories of Edge Influence that um, he wrote and that you published here a while back. And I haven't been able to read the whole book yet. I'm a couple chapters deep into it. And uh, but Brent is just a he's just an amazing storyteller and has such a great message and everything. But I I talked with him and just kind of picked his brain about the whole process of how he did that. Uh, writing the book and then working with you and your company to get the whole thing out and just like he had nothing but great things to say about the whole process because while I've never written a book and I I don't know too many authors I've heard some nightmare stories just behind you know publishing different works where where the uh, editor and the publisher wants to have creative control over things and then by the time a book ends up coming out it's nothing what the author intended to start with and you know, and it just, it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, you want to get the true voices out there uh, with, with people's work and let them be the ones in control. And, and just that you're just the facilitator of that message. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's, that's definitely very integral to what we do. It, it always has been from the start. So, uh, so yeah, definitely want to stick by that. 
So where do you see this publishing wing over the next few? Do you have like a vision for it over the next couple of years? Or is this just kind of like a, we'll see where it goes and, you know, enjoy the ride kind of deal? Yeah, it's kind of more of the latter. I mean, like there's always an end goal um, <laughs> in mind. And, um, you know, that that just kind of has to deal with um, just just connecting like the different parts of Edumatch to have them kind of work together. So, um, but other than that, you know, I feel like things, um, I, I've seen that the growth in the company has really happened as a result of um, just people bringing their ideas. So definitely leaving that open-ended uh, to some extent so that we can, we can just kind of see where it goes from here. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And I, I speak for on behalf of Ben too. We're excited for you because uh, just everything that um, is just on your plate right now, it just it it's so great. Like what you're doing, um, um, helping educators to connect out there. You're you're doing some phenomenal work, and we and we can't appreciate it more. And I, and I think I can speak for a lot of other people when we, when we say that too. Oh, for sure. Oh, I appreciate that. And and likewise, the feeling is mutual because I learned so much from y'all um, from like <laughs> this podcast is just amazing and everything that y'all give to the profession. So um, really, really appreciative of that, as well as to everyone in my PLN that I, I, uh, I learned from and that I have the privilege of growing with. Thank you. And um, we always appreciate, too, when uh, you do listen to our episodes, you always tweet it out now listening and it's like, hey, Sarah's listening to the episode. Great. So, no, we appreciate you, too. Thank you. So. Oh, thank you all so much. Thank you. So I think I think you as if people are interested in uh, in being on on the show, there's some ways that you can get a hold of us just like Sarah did. So Kyle, Kyle, what are those ways that people can connect with us? Yeah, so you can find us. Um, you can email us beeredupodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're very active on Twitter with our personal accounts, um, uh, Ben and myself, but we also have the at beeredupod. Um, Twitter account with the hashtag beer edu pod. We have a Facebook uh, page, uh, beer edu podcast, all one word that you can find us. And then uh, make sure you're following Sarah on Twitter. And then Sarah, I'm not sure if we actually got your Twitter handle. Could you share that with us real quick? Oh yeah, for sure. So I am on Twitter at S A R A H D A T E E C H U R. So Sarah, the teacher is what that spells out. <laughs> So, yeah, I remember the first time seeing that. It was just really unique how you did that. So um, just, you know, definitely something that cannot be uh, duplicated for sure. So, um, And also, EduMatch is also on Twitter, right? So people can Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, absolutely. So that's edu underscore match. So the underscore is very important because um, the other uh, edu, the EduMatch without the underscore, that's not us. Um, but also EduMatch Books is online. There's no underscore in that. So edgy match books all one word okay yes we'll definitely put all those here in the show notes for you to pick up on so um so yeah definitely follow sarah follow edgy match follow edgy match books uh send us a voice message using the anchor app uh and please give us a review on itunes google play or whatever program you use for your podcast uh, we would appreciate any feedback that you have for us and then if you would like to be a guest with us, you can visit our website, bit.ly slash podcast. There's a link there called Contact and Subscription Info, and there's a form there that you can fill out to join us on the show, just like Sarah. Yeah, hit us up. Hit us up. We'd love to hear what you're passionate about, what you're interested in. I mean, 
we love all things education and also you know what are you drinking yeah, absolutely. So, and um, that that's that's a perfect segue to go into our next segment here, Sarah. We'd love for you to stick around because this is the part where we educate a little bit um, in regards to beer. So, and today, Ben, you're going to tell us a little bit about what a Mexican style lager is. Yeah, so that that goes that goes back to my beer choice, um, and so we're going to talk about Mexican style lager. So, so Mexico. Most people think of Mexico, you, people think of tequila, mez, uh, mezcal, you know, those stronger drinks. But they have, a, they have a, a pretty good beer history, you know, from going back from when the Europeans arrived in the 1500s. Um, even going back to, if you look back at some of the uh, native drinks where they use different uh, things that fermented, um, they, have, they have quite a history of, of of those kind of drinks. So the Mexican style itself though, that's kind of attributed to the German and Austrian immigrants that came to Mexico during the 1800s. So that's kind of where it, where it got that style. It's a very malt forward, um, low hops. It's got a touch of sweetness. Um, they, that really comes from the corn that's added to the process. Um, and a low ABV. So these are what we would call a crushable beer. You know, this is this is the kind that you want to drink when it's hot outside. So um, they also will sometimes be advertised as like a Vienna style lager um, based on a history of German and Austrian immigration again into Mexico. Uh, their colors, it's a pretty standard yellow. You know, you think of the classic one is that Corona. You know, it's got that 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 bright color to it. Um, but you can also have those dark, uh, darker ones or a more toasted uh, Negro. Negro uh, Modelo is a classic one that uh, you can get. Probably one of my uh, favorite Mexican beers, actually, is the Negro Modelo. Yeah, for sure. That's that's one of my go-to's um, when I'm at when I'm out and I want something something in that style. So so a common common examples of this are the uh, um, in America are the Mexican style lagers are the anchors. Uh, Los Gigantes, so uh, great beer um, out of San yeah. Francisco. And say so you got to appreciate that one because it's the uh, San Francisco Giants, and yeah. then it's got the Day of the Dead style skull yep. on the can. Yes, I have enjoyed many of those because I am a proud Giants fan. So um, the other one is Dust Bowl's Taco Truck. Um, that's one I haven't had yet. Um, I'm, I, I want to go check that one out. The, the Sierra Vesa from Sierra Nevada. Um, Ale Smith does a sublime Mexican lager. Also really good. And that one's really cool if you're a fan of uh, the band Sublime. It was a celebration for the 25th anniversary for their album, A 40 Ounce of Freedom. Yes. That, that's yes. where that beer came from. And, and we've talked a little bit about like can art and stuff like that. That that actually, that is a cool looking uh, logo. Yeah, if you're if you're a fan of the band Sublime, or even if yeah. you're not, you've probably seen it before. It's the um, the album cover has the the sun with the face on it, and it's um, just the the style. Of the artwork is very Mexican in nature, and it's it's really cool that from the album cover, and then they transfer it into the beer can label as well. Yeah, for sure. So so that's a good one. I, I would definitely suggest that one. There's another one, Tractor Brewing's New Mexican Lager. I have not had that one. Um, there's another one out there, uh, El Soli, and I believe it's 21st Amendment does that one. Um, that's also a really good one. And then and then you have your standard ones. So the one that everybody thinks of, that's going to be Corona, Dos Equis, uh, Sol, Pacifico, Modelo. Um, one of my personal favorites, Tecate. You know, those, those are your standard ones. You can find those anywhere. 
Yeah, I mentioned Negramadello being one of my favorites. Um, I also like the Dosecchi's Amber uh, mm-hmm. when I get into it, and then, um, but probably like my go-to one, like if I'm gonna go at a sit-down Mexican place and have tacos, enchiladas, or whatever, I think Soul is probably the one I go with the most. It, Soul and a basket of tortilla chips that just that salt <laughs> in one of those just yep. just great. Yeah, those are, and that's that's what makes those those beers so good is they do pair well. And we've talked about pairing before, but they pair well with spicy, salty. It's just that that light, crisp taste. Um, I, I think that's definitely you can't go wrong with that, man. Well, and then and then you can take it to another level um, and get into the michelada, where mixed with uh, oh, yeah. tomato juice and um, spices and whatnot, to where it looks like a bloody mary, but it's a it's a beer cocktail. And yeah. those are very common. Good Mexican restaurants are going to have those. And uh, uh, I'm not a huge fan of them, but, I mean, every now and then um, it goes really well with um, whatever you're eating. Yeah, you know, I have to admit, I, I hate to admit it, I have not had one. I've seen them. I've seen them, and I'm just, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but I'll take your word on it. Yeah, well, maybe one <laughs> night we'll have to go, go sit down and have uh, have some Mexican food and uh, and uh, break you into the michelada there world. Yeah, for so. sure. For sure, man. Outstanding. So, well, um, great that great topic. Uh, hopefully, you learned a little bit on that. And um, yeah. once again, Sarah, we can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your passion, your expertise, and um, you know the ways that we can connect with you. I mean, we just we can, we can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure and an honor. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again, Sarah, and and, and everyone out there. Check out EduMatch. Check out their books. Check out all the stuff they're doing to connect educators. It's such such a such a great way to to learn from each other and and kind of grow your PLN. Yes, indeed. So our next episode after this is going to be episode number twenty four. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up for some future episodes here. And again, if you want to be a guest with us, uh, hit up our website and fill out that form and we would love to have you on yes please do it all right so well hey until next time may the malts and the hops be with you right on